Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Good morning, Christ Fellowship. It's so great to be here this morning. Thank you, guys. Hallelujah. That was great worship. Let's hear it for our worship team. Wow. Praise God. You know, I was thinking in preparation for this message of a game that you probably all played. Who ever played hide-and-seek? Okay, so you know the object of the game, one person counts to 10, and they're supposed to be blindfolded, and then everybody disperses, and then they hide. And then that person, after 10, can go and seek and find all those other people before they could get back to home, right? I used to love that game. And, you know, there's other variations. You could have everybody else hide and one person look for all of that. But it's a, it's a fun game. And I thought about uh, that in relationship to my dentist. I, love, I used to love, as a kid, going to my dentist. How many love going to the dentist? <laughs> the reason I used to like it, though, is they had a magazine there. And it was called the Highlight Magazine, a kid's magazine. And there was one section that was usually a black and white drawing. And in that drawing, they had hidden objects. You know, it could be a banana or an umbrella or, you know, a raccoon or, you know, something that you'd have to find and and then circle those things. But you'd really have to study it right? And, and I used to love going to the dentist just for that reason, because that was the only place that I knew had the magazine. To this day, I still like my dentist, though, by the way. He does miracles for me. So I thought about there's another game, and as an adult, I have a couple books like this, because it's seeking and searching for the differences. You know, you have two photos, and you have You try to determine the differences between them. I thought it might be fun for us to look at a couple. And here, the first one is a cupcake confusion. I'm going to put it on the screen, and I'm going to give you a few seconds. How many of you can find seven differences between the two, side by side? Okay, we're going to show the slide and see if you found them. Go ahead, go to the next slide. Okay. It was pretty hard to determine those differences, right? Some of them were kind of obvious, like the twisted almond on the top. But you had to really study it and seek it out and search for the differences, right? Now, let's look at the next one. Who can find the wolf? Did you spot him? He's right there. We have to beware of the wolf among the sheep, don't we? Amen. All right, let's do the next one. Now, 
a lot of you young parents, or maybe the memory is still very vivid of those chaotic times where you try to keep the room neat, but yet everything is thrown all around. Who can find the pacifier? The missing pacifier there in the picture. Raise your hand if you saw it. Okay. Keep looking. Keep searching. Okay. Did you find it? Raise your hand again. You have to really study it, right? Really search it out. Well, it's right there. You found it? All right. Let's look at the last one. I thought this one was fun. Who can find the for sale sign in the neighborhood? There's one sign, oh, that's kind of hard, right? There's like, I don't know how many signs there. So you really got to search for this one, right? It's kind of hard to read, and and it's kind of not fair because you're so so far away. So go to the next slide, and we'll show where it is. One for sale sign. So we could all relate to seeking and finding I mean, even yesterday, I misplaced my purse. We went out, and I had put it in the back seat of my car on the floor. And, we, you know, I did the, the pinging for, you know, the, the phone. I went on my computer, find phone, and it was showing it was in my address. I, so I went through the house thinking that it was in the house, seeking it, searching for this thing. Finally, I went to the floor of the back seat, and that's where it was. But, I mean, whether it's missing keys or a purse or you fill in the blank, you've all done search-a-thons. That's what we call them in the house. And that, to Ed's advantage, he, he'll say something like this. When you have a chance, I misplaced, maybe it was keys or his wallet, if you have a chance, you might find it. Now, he's the type of guy with, he's so low-key, is like, we'll find it eventually. It'll show up. But he knows me. If he wants something to be found, he'll, he'll do that to me. And I'm not going to rest until I find that. And the longer you search for something, the, the more likely you're going to find it, Right? So he knows, he knows me, and, you know, it's to his advantage, and I don't mind doing it. So the next book, all that as an introduction, because the next book that we're going to study, as you know, we're going through the entire Bible again, and we're in the Minor Prophets, so we're going to start with two books today. It's Amos and Obadiah. Now, Amos was just a... Everybody say Justa. He was just a shepherd. He was a farmer. He grew uh, sycamore trees, which provided fruit for the poor people. Even though he was just a farmer, God called him to be a voice. He called him to go to the northern kingdom and to give a message to the people. He was speaking on God's behalf. Now, he was from the southern kingdom, so he had to go into a different neighborhood. Now, the northern kingdom had 10 tribes. Remember, we learned this over the several different messages. 
10 tribes. The southern tri- uh, two tribes were in the southern kingdom. So here he was called to go to this prosperous, uh, they were at the pinnacle of success. I mean, in all appearances, they were doing great. But Amos saw through the hypocrisy and the corruption of the leadership, and he knew that God had a message, and he was the man to bring it. Even though he wasn't a prophet, he wasn't a priest, and nobody in his family was. He had no background like that. He was just a, just a shepherd and just a servant, obedient to God. So he went to these people. Now, these people felt like they were the untouchables. They felt that because of the past, the nation's past victories, that they were assured of future victories, that because God was on their side in the past, that he would be there in the, on their side in the future. So in this atmosphere of overconfident nationalism, Amos approaches the people and he calls the nation to repentance. He says, there is judgment coming. And the only way to avoid this judgment is to seek God and live. You see, God was trying to get the attention of the people, just like he does now. You know, Revelation, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, and I will sup with them. God is speaking to the church. He's speaking to the people of God. And Amos went speaking to these people who claimed to be the people of God, and yet they drifted from him. They backslid. So here's what was happening. True worship was replaced with idolatry and greed and materialism and spiritual complacency and self-reliance and relying on all their wealth and their armies. But here's what Amos says in chapter 2. And we're going to open our Bibles to chapter 2. If you have your Bible with you, take it out. I think it's always a great thing to have your Bible with you. Even though the slide is always here, bring your Bible because you could mark it up and you could underline it. You could take notes. It's just a great habit to get into. And it's an easy one to fall out of because it's easy. You just look up on the screen and the scripture's there. But there's something about bringing your Bible. Maybe I'm old school, but I see people saying amen, so some people agree. So Amos chapter 2, and it begins in verse 13. This is the message that Amos was bringing. Now then, I will crush you as a cart crushes when loaded with grain. The swift will not escape. The strong will not muster their strength. The warrior will not save his life. The archer will not stand his ground. The fleet-footed soldier will not get away. The horseman will not save his life. Even the bravest warriors will flee naked on that day, declares the Lord. That was a rough message. And he was speaking it to the leadership, and he was speaking it to the high priest. Now, the high priest, you got to understand, the true temple was in the south. Okay, in Jerusalem. So King Jeroboam um, had 
he ruled the land for 40 years. Now, we think of a two-term president here in the country, we think, wow, eight years, that's a big deal. Well, multiply that times five, right? 40 years he was ruler, and he erected, he built a temple in Bethel, and he built a, a golden calf for them to worship. It became the center of idolatry. And here, the high priest, who was a priest at Bethel, he accused Amos of treason. You're speaking things against our leadership and against who we worship. So we're going to banish you. So they banished Amos, although we still have the word of God, right? His word was still proclaimed. They banished him because they couldn't receive the truth of his message. And, and I think of that today. Think of that today. What happens when things are said that don't agree with a certain narrative? They're shadow banned or they're, it's cancel culture. You know, you try to, you know, avoid truth. And this is what was happening in their day. So he addresses in the first six chapters of this book, it's all addressing these, uh, you know, the idolatry and, and the corruption. And it was like a whip to the oppressors. But it was a honey. It was really honey to those who were oppressed. It was good news to them. So here's the sin of the people. They neglected God's word, top of the list. There was idolatry, pagan worship, greed, corruption, corruption in the leadership, corruption uh, with the priesthood, oppression of the poor. And this wasn't just happening in the, south, in the north. It was happening in the south. And, you know, it was extensive. And, and we see, you know, we always say when we get fed up with something, right? It's like, I've had it, you know? It, God comes to the point where he sends his prophets and they reject him, they reject him, they spurn him, they banish the truth, and eventually judgment will come. So the first six chapters, he talks about that. But there's a little glimmer of hope there's a beautiful glimmer of hope in chapter 5, verse 4. And he says this, simply, seek me and live. That's God's message. Seek the Lord and live. That's what true worship is, because that's the true source of spiritual life and the hope of salvation and, and the hope of avoiding God's judgment we see that throughout the entire Bible. In First Chronicles 16, we see glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord, his strength. Seek his face daily, always. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Amos is saying, Seek God and live. He's warning the people judgment is coming, but you can avoid it. If you seek God, you will find him and you will live. Amos 5, again, if they don't, here's the consequences if they don't. Seek the Lord and live. Or 
He will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. Verse 14, seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you just as you say he is. See, they were given lip service. They were calling on God, and they were saying God was on their side. It was just what they were saying. But if they really seek good and avoid evil, the Almighty God would be with them. That's the cry of God's heart today. Seek me and live. Pursue righteousness. Isaiah 55 says this, seek the Lord while he may be found. Remember, God got to the point. Judgment eventually came. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Zephaniah chapter 2, another prophet says this, seek the Lord. All the humble of the land, you who do what he commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Seek him and live. That's the invitation today, too. When we forsake the Lord, all we need to do is humble ourselves, seek his face, come before him, repent, turn away, obey his commands, and walk in his wisdom. And we receive forgiveness, and we can live. Seek me and live. It's not just a a message in Amos' time. It's a message for us as well. 2 Corinthians in the New Testament says this, In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of my salvation, I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I really sense that there are people who need to make this kind of a decision today to seek God, to really search for him, to really study him, and to come back to him with all your heart. I mean, we only have one life with breath in our lungs, right? He gives us one life for the opportunity, and he's calling you today to go deeper, to seek him and live. Don't rely on your past. The victories in the past, you need to seek him now is the day. Hebrews 3, this is in the New Testament says this, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As, as has been said today, if you hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Seek him and live today. That's the central theme of Amos and major major and minor prophets. And in the New Testament, it's confirmed. God wants you to seek him. He came into the world to die for you. He loves you so much. And he wants to have a relationship with you. Not a distant one. He wants you to be connected. 
many of you took the classes that we offer here, the discipleship um, classes, class 201, and you probably, hopefully, you all memorized the scripture, but I love this one in 1 John 5. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. We need him. First, when we receive Christ, okay, that's the beginning of our walk. But the rest of our walk is seeking God for the rest of our lives. It doesn't just end on the day that you walk up here and say, I received the Lord. It's a lifetime of seeking him. That's how you live an abundant life. Now, Israel, the northern kingdom, would eventually be destroyed because they were forsaking the Lord. And, and like, again, I want to read this verse in 14 and 15 from chapter 5. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as he says he is. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord will have mercy on you. See, most of... God, most of God's people in Amos's time ceased to hate evil. They called evil good, and perversion was a way of life. They oppressed the poor. They, they trampled the poor. Amos 5, continuing, it says, I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins are. There are those who oppress the innocent, who take bribes who deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet. In other words, those who know that these are wrong, they're just keeping quiet. They're letting it happen. Instead of, you know, standing for the Lord, they know it's wrong. But the prudent are silent. For the times are evil. We know the times are evil. These are the end times, people. Good is called evil. Evil is called good. James 1 says this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Israel at this time, they abandoned God and they their only hope of escaping judgment was to repent. You know what repent means? Instead of going the way they're going, it means to turn around, turn around and go God's way. These people thought God was on their side, but they were deluded. They believed the lie that their right standing was based on the past of how the Lord recognized them. The Lord protected them in the past. And of course, the Lord is always in control, but they rebelled against God. They rejected the Lord and they, they were trusting in their own leadership and their own armies and their own wealth. He didn't fit. God didn't fit in their narrative anymore. So they created their own God. They created a God that would be adapted to the culture and to their preferences. 
He was a God of their own invention. And you know what we call that? An idol. It wasn't the true God. And when we look at the book of Amos, we're reminded that the Holy Spirit, we talk about the Holy Spirit dwelling throughout these books we're studying. The Holy Spirit is a fire. He consumes and burns away these false conceptions about God. Idolatry was the predominant sin here in the northern kingdom. It was the root of many other sins. They worshiped a lot of different gods, and some of them are mentioned. And some of the cities are mentioned, Gilgal, Bethel, Beersheba. These were locations that were centers of worship for different deities. I mentioned the golden calf, but there was one god that was erected, Moloch. And here to this deity, to this God, they would burn their own children as sacrifices in the fire to this God. They had no value for life. They were appeasing the gods through the death of the children. And I can't help but think about the parallels in our own country when we think about the abortion industry because of convenience. Children are sacrificed. There were other gods as well. I want you to read in Amos 2, 6, it says, this is what the Lord says. For three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not relent. They sell innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. See, God, God's people at this time were bowing down to another god, a goddess, Ashtaroth, and, and a god, Baal. And they were gods of perversion. I mean, we can't even talk about what these gods required. But prostitution was just one of them. Detestable practices for these gods. And uh, Amos continues in verse 7. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground. They deny justice of the oppressed. The father and the son use the same girl. And you could imagine what that word means. And so profane my name. Is it any wonder at this time that God's people became perverse themselves? When you worship a God that is like that, you become like that. The society becomes like that. It darkens the mind. So we begin, demonic deception happens. Now, the the fire of, of the Holy Spirit speaks about God's wrath. He doesn't put up with this. He's angry. He's jealous. And idolatry is one of the worst sins in God's sight because so many other sins and actions follow. See, idolatry, we might say, well, we don't form, you know, false gods out of silver and gold or, you know, any, any type of wooden statue or anything. We don't do that. But we are guilty of making God an idol because it's not the true God. We have a God that's not the true nature of God. There's false perceptions. So the fire of the Holy Spirit consumes all this confusion and rubble. And he removes the blockages that we might be believing 
it purges it away. Don't be afraid of the fire of the Holy Spirit because the only thing that will be destroyed is stubble. Anything that's of Jesus will remain. See, we try to manipulate the truth sometimes because we're comfortable in our sin. I might be stepping on some toes here. We're comfortable with our lifestyle. But it's not the true God. That God can't heal you. That God cannot save you. That's an idol. You become like the God you worship. If you look at God as unholy, as a God who will accept your sin, you begin to live an unholy life. If you perceive God to be, I can get all my wealth, you become greedy. You become like the idol God that you worship. And we have a lot of idolatry here. I mean, we think about, I think about an obvious one, your smartphone. Everybody has it with you, right? I mean, it goes with you everywhere, even the bathroom. And when you need to consult and, and have an answer, ask Siri or Alexa, can you help me with this? Right? It's an idol if we rely on that and it distracts us from Jesus. He's the only one who's really, truly omnipresent, present at all time. So if the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals the truth, then he's the one that will destroy the lies. Amen. The Holy Spirit brings clarity to who God really is. Now, the next book that I want to talk about is Obadiah. Now, Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament. There's only 21 verses. And it wasn't written to Israel. It was written to the people that were related to Israel. Remember, we learned in a few uh, sermons prior about Esau and Jacob. They were twins. And even while they were in the womb of their mother, it said they wrestled within her. I mean, it must have looked like an alien in there. (laughs) But when Rebecca asked, what's going on? The Lord told her, there's two nations within you. And sure enough, there was animosity between, a hatred between these two brothers. And eventually, the descendants of Esau, they became the Edomites. They lived east of Israel. And when Babylon came to judge them, as the warning was, Babylon was going to come and bring judgment. When that happened, the Edomites sided with the Babylonians rather than helping their distant cousins, really their blood relatives, they turned on them and they would actually attack their own relatives. Well, the Lord was not pleased. So he sent Obadiah with this word, only 21 verses, but boy, is it powerful. Verse four. Though you soar like an eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there, 
I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Verse 12. You should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. Verse 15, the day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. See, Edom, they were gloating. They, they were happy about the misfortune of Israel, that the armies attacked them and they were weakened. And Edom had a choice and it was to fight against them. And here the Holy Spirit comes again. And here now the Holy Spirit is a vindictive, it's a vindictive fire of righteousness. You know, a lot of times we want to take things in our own hands, but God's got this. He's got it. Look at this verse 11 and 12. On that day, you stood aloft while strangers carried off his wealth. The foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem. And you were like one of them. You were like one of the enemy. You shouldn't gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast of so much in the day of their trouble. Verse 18, Jacob will be a fire and Joseph a flame. Esau will be stubble and they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau. The Lord has spoken. Wow. See, ultimately, it was the Lord. It says Israel here in this verse, but it was the Lord who was enacting the vengeance, right? The Holy Spirit was doing it. You know, we think of the Holy Spirit as being kind, as being gentle, as being the helper, but he's also a fire, a fire. You know, God He protects his own. I mean, if you remember David as he was fleeing from Saul, you remember in the book of 1 Samuel? He was fleeing. He had two opportunities to kill his enemy Saul. David could have killed him, but he didn't touch God's anointed. He said, when God, God is my vindicator. God will take care of me. He didn't take things into his own hands. You know, I... It's yesterday, I got a, a little text from a friend, and it had the, uh, the verse for the day. And I couldn't believe how it fits in. It says in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good to each other. Okay, that's easy with each other. And for everyone else. He doesn't want us to get back. You know, you've learned, uh, uh, at, least, at least I've learned this, you know, don't get mad, get even. Did you ever hear that? I'm Italian. I get, I, I heard that a lot. <laughs> don't get mad, get even. But the Holy Spirit is the one who will balance. He will be the one to right the wrong. Yeah, God's way is always the better way. You know, people can lie about you. People can hurt you. People can cheat you. But it's not our job to seek justice. Our job is to leave it to the Holy Spirit. Whenever a trap is set, 
for you, the Lord will protect you and spring that very trap on those that are trying to trip you up. So as we go, as we conclude this message about these two small books, Amos and Obadiah, I want to ask you, sometimes we think we're just a, I'm just, and fill in the blank. I'm just a mother. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a cashier. Whatever, you're just a, I'm not educated. He wasn't a prophet, remember? He wasn't a priest. Nobody relayed. He was just a small businessman selling sycamore fruit. He was a herdsman. He was a farmer. But he had a message from God. He had a truth to share. And so do you. God has empowered every one of us as we receive the Holy Spirit to be his voice, to be his truth, to speak it to a perverse world without shame and without fear. To God, it's good to be God's justa because God will equip you. All you need to do is obey and seek God and live. You need to be fed every day and seek him diligently every day. That's where the life and the strength and the power comes from. You know, we share, when you think about <laughs> the culture of Amos's day, and you think in the New Testament, the culture of the Corinthians, I mean, it was perverse. They had idolatry. They were worshiping false gods. And what happened then? The church, one person at a time, spread and multiplied and pushed away the evil, right? Wasn't any different than our culture today. Wasn't any worse than the culture today. We might look at the culture and say, things are horrible now. What could I do? I'm, I'm just one person. I'm just a, but you have the power of the Holy Spirit and you can speak life to people. Not could, you should. One person at a time, we could become contagious, a contagious force. We can become evangelists. We can become contagious justice. When Jesus called his first disciples, he told them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They were ordinary men, farmers, fishermen, carpenters. But they consistently proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. Just think what it would mean for the churches today if we all took the message of truth in love to the perverse, confused, hopeless world and brought life and told them that they could seek life and live. You know, there's a world out there beyond these walls. 
church isn't just here. Each one of you is the church because God resides in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So wherever you go, the church goes. Amen. So don't let the culture or the leadership or the cancel culture put a muzzle around you, over your mouth. Speak truth in love, but don't compromise the message. People need to seek God and live. How many here want to seek God and live? Yes, go deeper. Deeper, just stand to your feet. Stand to your feet, and I'm going to close us in a prayer. If there's anyone who's never began their journey with Jesus Christ, and they never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want to welcome you and just tell you to come up to the altar, and I'll pray with you at the conclusion. But for now, I want to pray for everyone else before I I, um, excuse you, okay? Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you for hovering. Thank you for indwelling. Thank you, Lord God, for empowering everyone in this room. Lord God, to be unashamed of the truth, to be unhindered from speaking life and truth to a lost and dying world. Lord, thank you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans. Lord God, you, you, hear, you are here and we are your vessels. We are your mouthpiece. Lord God, we will go where you tell us. Like Amos went to the southern, the northern kingdom and to a neighborhood he didn't even belong and spoke the message. Lord God, give us that confidence that we can speak truth and people will hear the message and they will seek God and live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.